All right, we're going to read in a few places, uh, just two, but I'm going to jump. We're going to do Joshua chapter 1, and then we're going to jump over to Joshua chapter 3. And so if you, if you do have access to a Bible or your phone, I, I encourage you to get it in front of you. And if something sticks out to you, maybe you underline it, circle it, maybe you write a little note. Um, you know, oftentimes God speaks to us in the midst of a message, um, but you may not remember that down the line. And if it's in there, if it's in your journal or something like that, um, then God can keep speaking to you from that message instead of just the one time. So we're going to read the first six uh, verses in chapter 1, and then we're going to jump over to chapter 3. This is a story, really an account of courage. It's an account of somebody that's just like you and I, somebody that has the opportunity to hear God's word and obey. And oftentimes when God asks us to do something, it's going to require courage and faith. And so where we find ourselves tonight is after many, many years of God's people uh, really disobeying God's word, Uh, God trying to bring his people into the place that he wanted them. And though a few had faith, many didn't. And so as a collective community, they were not able to enter into God's promise for them. And uh, they failed in many ways. And because of that failure, many people had died off. And so here we, here we are. We find ourselves at this place where uh, a whole generation of people had, had died off. And, and now Moses, the man of God, the prophet of God, has, has passed. And so it's time to pass the baton of leadership to this guy by the name of Joshua And this is what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Sometimes you have to serve behind somebody else in order to take up the baton of leadership. He said to Joshua, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all the people into the land that I am giving to them. Notice that his command is to a single person, and yet the fruition of the command is not just for the single person. He says, I want you to lead, but your leadership is not just so you can secure something for yourself, it's so you can lead something for other people. I'm giving the land to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, God makes many promises in life. God offers us many things in this world, and sometimes it just requires us to actually step into them. You can have many, many promises and destinies that are laid upon your life. You know, potential is a really funny thing. Potential sometimes can be scary. Oh, that person has so much potential, and we don't ever walk into our potential because of fear of failure or pressure or whatever it might be. Sometimes potential is very scary. Sometimes when everybody speaks about our potential, it holds us back because now we have this, this big thing that's built up in front of us that we, we might fear that we're not ever going to accomplish it because everybody talked about it, and what if I don't do it? But we have potential, we have promises, we have destinies that have been, have been laid out before us, and sometimes it's on us to step into them. He says, I, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness, uh, from this wilderness, and from this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, Toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. This is a promise from God. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, 
so will I be with you. That's probably the greatest promise for this life, is that God is with us. That's the promise for you too. To an even greater degree than God was with Joshua because God is offering to you his spirit to live inside of you. I will be with you. And here's his secondary commandment, verse six. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and courageous. God gave them a command of what to do, and then he gave them a command of how to feel. You can know what it is that you need to do in this life, but unless you have the courage inside of yourself, you may not be able to do what's required of you outside of yourself. And so this is the beginning, the first time of, I think, four that I counted, at least four times, where God tells him over and over and over again, be strong and courageous. God tells him once to get up and go into the land, but God tells him four times to be strong and courageous. He gives him the actions of what he wants him to do, but then he tells him over and over and over again, what you're going to need inside is strength and courage in order to accomplish what I've called you to. Let's jump over to uh, chapter 3. And we're going to read a few more scriptures, and then we're going to jump into just a couple quick thoughts. You could read on your own what happens in chapter 2. They go in and spy out the land, and, and now he's kind of at this place where he's ready to, to take action on what God has called him to do. So Joshua's stirring up the people, and this is what he says, uh, chapter 3, verse 5. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves. That's a big theological word that we'll get to in a minute. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant, that is the, the, the physical location of the presence of God. In the Old Testament, for whatever reason, we can ask God when we get to heaven, his choice was to, to place his presence, his spirit, in one particular location. It was inside uh, the Ark of the Covenant. That was the physical representation of his spiritual reality. His presence was in this particular location. It was a box that the priests would carry. It was a box representing his presence that that they would carry, and that's where he was. So he wanted his presence to lead the people. That's what's going on right here. He said, have the priests pick up the Ark of the Covenant, the place that my presence dwells, and, and to lead them. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that you will without fail drive out before you all of the ites. Verse 11. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take up 12 men from the tribes of Israel, uh, from each tribe, one man. And when the, listen again, the soles of your feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all of the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Amen. This is an account of courage. 
It's an account of obedience. It's an account of one man who did his role in taking steps through the courage in his soul to accomplish for all of God's people what God had called him to do. This is actually the first time that uh, the Bible talks about cliff jumping. I like cliff jumping. Has anybody ever been cliff jumping before? Does anybody wondering what I mean when I say cliff jumping? <laughs> so cliff jumping is this thing where you go to a cliff, preferably above water, <laughs> deep water, and you jump off. I, pref- I just really like to do crazy things um, that include me flying aimlessly through the air. Uh, it's just sort of how I'm built. Like, I look at those guys wearing those squirrel suits, and I just want to do that so bad. Raise your hand if you want to go skydiving, squirrel suit jumping, or have you seen the dude in Dubai that built a personal jet? It's insane. Like, literally a jet pack and wings on his back, and this dude is cruising next to, like, real jets. It's awesome. Because I don't have the ability to do any of that yet, I stick with cliff jumping. So I really love to get about 30 or 40 feet above a body of water, make sure that it's deep enough, and just run and jump off these cliffs. Because to me, it just feels so cool to just be flying in the air. But I don't just like to jump in regular. I like to, I like to do this thing called a gainer. So a gainer is kind of like a flip. Um, but instead of just a front flip or a back flip, a gainer is where you run forwards, but then you do a back flip. So the thing about doing a gainer is like, you really got to sell out for it or you're in big trouble. I mean, you can't just sort of like walk up to the cliff and do this thing. You have to, you have to run because think about it. You're, you're needing to jump forward, but flip yourself backward all the way around. And so, like, the momentum issue, like, is going opposite, you know, and the whole thing. So you really need enough height, and you need enough speed, and you need enough spin, and you, and if you don't, then your back turns red, and it really hurts. Uh, but that's just what I like to do. And so I'll, I'll, I'll find a cliff, and I'll just sprint to it, and I'll just, just launch. And you just have to, like, inside, you got to sell out. Like, you just have to go for it all the way. The thing about a gainer is, I'm convinced that most human beings are physically capable of doing it. It's just that there's something inside of us that makes us scared to actually go all the way. Now, I recognize that some people may not actually be able to do it, but most of you, like, if you, if you really, in your heart, really committed, your physical tent, your body, your flesh is capable of, accompl- of accomplishing this feat. It's just mainly up here. It's like that for a lot of things in life. Courage. That's kind of a stupid example of courage, but it does take courage to throw your body into the air. So what are the things in your life that take courage? What are the things in your life that God is calling you to do that, that you, 
You, you, you wonder, am I able to do it? Am I, am I willing to do it? Do I desire to do it? Has God gifted me to do it? Am I at the place in my life where I'm willing to step into this reality? Ha, have you thought through all the areas in your life that would take you out of your comfort zone? I think Bobby said this the other day. The only thing that grows when you're in your comfort zone is your waistline. Isn't that good? Right? Everything else in your life, you need to be uncomfortable in order to grow. If you want to grow in, in your gifting, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to grow in your boldness, you need to be uncomfortable in, or, in order to grow in those areas. And so I just want to briefly look at a few things uh, that, we can, that we can glean from this passage and from Joshua to do with radical courage, radical courage in what we might be able to learn from him. And so the first thing is this. In order to, to step into radical courage, I think we need to be courageous with our reality. That takes courage to look at your reality and just have a sober view of what your reality actually is. Your reality is like kind of where you're at right now, and that includes everywhere that you've been. So to, to take a courageous look at your past and your failures, and all of the things that you've maybe not done so good at, that takes courage. You know, it's actually not courageous for you just to, to kind of brush your, your past behind you and just pretend it didn't exist and just say, hey, I'm going to press on towards the, towards the future and, and, and sort of ignore what's in the past. Because the reality is that for most of us, what has happened in the past still affects us in the present and will continue to affect us in the future until we deal with it. So some things you can just turn from, leave behind, and run ahead. And if, and if you can for those things, you should, because the goal is not to just hold on to everything from the past, but for the ways that you are not doing that, you have to turn back around with courage in your heart, face those things, own your reality in order that you might actually overcome those things. Do, do, does that make sense, the difference between the two? I'm not asking you or encouraging you to hold on to all the issues from the past, but what I'm saying is if those things are still affecting you and still creeping in and maybe you get through two years but that issue just comes up again or you get through two months and it just, that means you haven't really dealt with it. It takes courage to, to look at your addictions in the face and say, you know what? I'm going to admit to this. I'm going to admit to the failures in my life. I'm going to admit what has gone wrong in order that I can go ahead. This is what Joshua had to do. You know, I doesn't say this explicitly, but just imagine with me. Joshua was, was there at the beginning. Joshua was there. He was one of the 12 spies, if you know the story. 40 years prior to this account, Joshua and 11 other guys, Moses sent into the promised land because of the promise of God. It was the same promise that God gave him now that he gave him 40 years ago. He said, I'm giving you this land. And so Joshua went in with the, with the 11, and they spied out the land, and they realized how great and beautiful it really was. And so they came back with a report, and Joshua and Caleb said to Moses and all the people, the land is great, it's abundant, it's wonderful, it's going to be an amazing thing that God has given us, let's go in and take it. And Caleb said the same thing, and the 10 said the exact opposite. And the doubt of the 10 uh, overcame all of the people and so what Joshua must have been feeling in this moment, 
I would imagine would be a remembrance of what happened 40 years ago when he wasn't able to lead the people in because they didn't listen to him. They didn't, they didn't trust him. His leadership skills might not have been good enough to get them to, to take a step with their feet to do what God called them to do. And so he might have been thinking, if I couldn't do it then, can I do it now? He might have been thinking, Moses, the mighty man of God, who's preceded me for these 40 years and did miracle, and he was the prophet, the first prophet of God, and he went up on the hill with God. Moses was an amazing man of God. Even he couldn't do it. How can I do it? I'd imagine that Joshua had to, in his soul, take a nice, solid look at the failures of the past. Take a nice, sober look at what it was that God was asking him to do. I think this is why God told him four times to be strong and courageous. Because sometimes in light of our failures, in order to actually get to our future, it's gonna take strength and courage because we know where we've failed. But I wanna tell you tonight that your failures in your past do not have to determine where you're gonna go in the future because your God is greater. Your God is greater than anything that you have gone through in the past and he's able to inside of you through his spirit because if the spirit that lives inside of you can raise Jesus from the dead, then he can raise any dead thing in your soul alive for the calling that he has for your life. But it doesn't mean ignoring the failures. It means looking at the failures, looking at what has happened in the past, looking at it head on, being honest with it, embracing it and saying, these are the ways that I've failed. This is what I'm recognizing my reality to be. And so when I see and acknowledge and confess what it is that I'm dealing with, I can finally deal with that, situ that situation and move towards the future. Right, Because we sometimes can't or oftentimes can't overcome something that we're unwilling to recognize. And so we must be courageous with the failures of our past. The second thing is this. We must be courageous with our consecration. That's that funny word. Uh, God calls Joshua to lead the people in. He says, be strong and courageous. And so he gets to the moment in time where he's gonna do this, create, this courageous thing and he says to the people, consecrate yourselves. It's a big theologic word that you might not have heard very often, but all that it really means is separation and dedication. It's a, you've heard the word holiness. It's, you know, God is a holy God. God is set apart. God is different from humanity. God's ways are higher than our ways. And God asks his people to be holy as he is holy. And so we as people, sometimes when we walk in unholiness, we have to separate ourselves from that reality, separate ourselves from the things that we've given ourselves to that are not from him, and then dedicate ourselves to him for the future. That's what consecration is. He's saying to the people, hey, you might have sin issues in your world. You might have, from the past, uh, lack of faith or doubt or disobedience. But what I'm asking you to do in, in this moment right now is to consecrate yourself, to set yourself apart for God's purposes in this moment right now. It includes separation and dedication. Some of us, if not all of us, we need to separate ourselves from some things that we've been willingly giving ourselves into. If you've been willingly walking in sin, God is asking you to 
separate yourself from that, to make an intentional decision to walk away. The Bible says flee, run from sin. Separate from it. Run as fast as you can away from sin. Maybe there's a relationship in your life that isn't right and you know it. You might need to separate yourself from it. Maybe you're, you're walking in a job that you know you shouldn't be in or any number of situations. If there's something in your heart, and, and you know what? We typically know those things or even maybe right now in this moment as I'm speaking, the Holy Spirit is putting his finger on something. Maybe it's a relational issue. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a deceit issue. Maybe you've been lying at work or maybe you've been lying in some way or maybe you've been, I don't know what it is, but is there anything in your life, anything at all that, that is getting between you and your relationship with God that God would say, I want that separated from your life? It's a choice. You can make that choice right now. Even though you've been walking in it, walking in it, walking in it, right now, would you make the decision to consecrate yourself, to separate yourself from that thing and then dedicate yourself towards what God has for you? Separation separates you from the things that maybe you have walked into and dedication separates yourself for what's ahead. And this is what Joshua is asking the people to do. Consecrate yourself. Separate yourself from the things that would separate you from God and dedicate yourself to what he's calling you to. And the last thing would be this. To be courageous, you must be courageous with your steps. As we look at our, future, our, our uh, failures of our past, as we uh, take inventory of our reality and really where we're at, and if, if we have courage in the moment, we, we, we dedicate ourselves to God. That takes courage. It's a tough thing to, to dedicate yourself wholeheartedly to God because of fear of what it's going to mean with your friend group or with that relationship or how your life might change. That takes courage. We recognize that. But it's the best decision that you could ever make, wholeheartedly going all in for Jesus. It takes courage. And as you separate yourself and dedicate yourself for God, it takes courage to walk it out, to step it out, step it out, step it out. I think it's interesting that God says in Joshua chapter one, Joshua, everywhere that the sole of your foot treads, I will give you. And then did you notice he said it again in chapter three? He said, tell the priest to take up my presence Tell the priests to pick up the Ark of the Covenant and to lead the way in front of the people because wherever God wants to take you, he's gonna go before you. And so then he says this, tell the priests to pick it up and to go first into the rushing River Jordan. Now, theologians will tell you that at the particular time and season when they were going across the Jordan, which was a river, uh, so imagine the Spokane River or something even bigger. They would tell you that at this particular season, it was flood season. So the waters would have been rushing and they would have been high. And so the idea of stepping into the river, going cliff jumping into the river and stepping in with all of your foot and all the Ark of the Covenant with you and all the people behind you, stepping into that, God says, as soon as you step in, I'm going to heap up the waters in front of you. That would take courage. Right? I mean, the waters are rushing. 
They tried to enter 40 years ago. They didn't trust God. And now they're at this, this moment in time, this precipice where they can step out in courage or not. And I think it's so beautiful that God said, as soon as you step in with the soles of your feet, I'm going to heap up the water in front of you and everybody's going to pass across on dry ground. He didn't say, as soon as your toe touches Step, step, step. Okay, God. Stop it up. Stop it, Lord. We're here. Stop it up. Let's just pray for a minute and wait, y'all. We'll wait till we see it stopped up and then we'll walk across. Let's test the water, see how cold it is. No, no, no. He said, as soon as the sole of your foot steps in, you got to go all the way. It's just like doing a gainer off of a cliff. You can't just kind of walk up to it all shy and just be like, no, 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 no. You got to get up to it and you got to step in with your sole of your foot. You got to go all the way. That takes courage. He said, as soon as the sole of your foot enters the water, you step all the way into that thing, then you'll see my miracle. Hey, when did the water turn into cement under Peter's foot? Was it before or after he stepped out of the boat? Well, you don't know. All we know is that when he stepped out of the boat, it was rock hard beneath his feet. It takes courage to do that. We got to do that. But here's the thing that I was thinking about this. We oftentimes think about courageous people and courageous moments in this life as that moment in time. And it does take courage and it is great when those things happen. When you just, you reach that one place, that one moment in time and you just go for it. Like, like the moment when Rosa Parks sat on that, that bus and she said, no, I'm not going to move. That was a moment in time of courage and it changed history, right? That moment when Martin Luther King gave that speech, that was a moment in time. It was courageous. That moment when William Wallace rushes into battle in front of everybody, right? We, we think of these, these moments and we, we have movies and stories of, of these, these moments in time when somebody gains all this courage and they just, they do this mighty thing and it's like, wow, that took so much courage and you're great and awesome. And that's good. Because the, the step where you go all in with the sole of your foot is a beautiful, amazing moment of courage where you must obey the Lord in order to step into whatever it is that he's called you to, your promised land. But instead of reflecting on those one particular singular moments in time that we see in the movies, I felt like the Lord told me he wanted me to close like this. Because for most of us, it's all of these steps that take courage. Two. We look at the the courageous moment, and it does take courage to, to run up to a cliff and just jump in and throw your body upside down. Or to step in the Jordan River with your whole foot and watch God do his miracle. But I'm convinced that for most of us, it's the steps in regular life 
that take just as much courage that we must walk into. It's, it's that addiction that you've been fighting and you're not gonna have that one day where you, you just get to that one thing where you're like, oh, now it's just all gone. It's, it's that person that has the, that day after day after day, I'm gonna beat this addiction today. I'm gonna beat this addiction today. I'm gonna beat this addiction today. And it's one day at a time. And that's the courage that you need in your life to overcome and overcome and overcome and overcome. And it's those people that you're in that job and they treat you like garbage. And you might not reach that one time where you just, you jump off the cliff in some mighty way. No, for you, courage is saying, I'm gonna represent Jesus in my job today. And I'm gonna represent Jesus in my job tomorrow. I'm gonna speak the words of love in my job the next day. I'm gonna, right, you see what I'm saying? It's the daily steps. It's when you are in your home, maybe as a, as a single mom of four, and it's so hard for you to work two jobs and get up and get them up in the morning and put them down at night and you got no time for yourself. And for you, the courage is day after day after day. You're walking in courage. Maybe it's that ministry that you serve in that nobody knows about. You don't get to stand on a stage like this and, and be in front of the lights and everybody sees you and everybody cheers and everybody says, wow, that was a great sermon. But you know what? You're just as much, you're just as valuable, if not more valuable. Because you are walking in courage every day, serving behind the scenes without recognition, and God sees you. And God loves your heart when you serve, and 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 the sole of your foot is walking in courage. I think that God does want moments in time where we just jump off the cliff in these beautiful moments of courage. But I think that he wants to train us in the steps leading up to the cliff. Because Martin Luther King didn't give his first speech that day in Washington. Right? You got to run up to the cliff. You got you to you gotta learn faith somewhere. I got young people that come up to me and say, you know, they're, they're brand new and they say, hey, I got, I got a word. Can I preach? And I say, yes, you can. Find somebody to preach to. <laughs> right? Because we wanna, we wanna, we wanna just immediately get up and do something on the pedestal where everybody sees it. And yet sometimes we refuse to do it when nobody's looking. I said, find yourself two or three people and share of the goodness of God with just as much passage passion as you think you might on the microphone. And then once you do that, then you can get a bigger group. And then once you do do you see what I'm saying? It's the steps in life. Don't neglect the small steps of courage because everywhere that the sole of your foot treads when it's directed by the Lord is what he has for you. It's not just the singular moments. You're not gonna maybe heal your broken marriage just by doing that one big orchestrated thing with flowers and doves and the helicopter that says, I love you, right? Your marriage has been hurting because there's been failures in the past. You might need to look those failures in the face and confess to your spouse, this is what I've done in the past and this is how I want to move forward in the future. Step by step by step by step. 
You might struggle with dishonesty. You might, you might realize if you took inventory of your reality that you have an issue with saying these little lies. It's not huge stuff, but you're just constantly deceiving people to make yourself look better. It takes addressing that reality, looking at it head on and saying, you know what? I struggle with lying and deceit. And for you, it's gonna be courageous not to get to some moment where all of a sudden everything you ever speak is just truth. No, 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 because it's gonna take time. It's gonna take step after step after courageous step to catch yourself when you say that little tiny thing and go back to that person and say, I know it wasn't a huge deal, but I deceived you and I said that. That takes courage. That's a small little tiny step. That's not a William Wallace moment, but it takes courage. And then next time, you're going to grow from that. Your faith is going to grow, and so you're going to get stronger, and you're going to be able to walk further and faster. Maybe you've been struggling with uh, sexual immorality. You've been hiding it. You don't want to tell anybody. Or you get caught up in that, that spiral of, I keep falling into this sexual addiction that I know I don't want to be in and it makes me feel really guilty so then I don't go to church and I don't go to God because I don't think God wants to hear from me and then because you feel so guilty you fall into it again and then because you feel even worse you don't go to God and then you fall into it again and you're just going down and down and down right now you have the opportunity to acknowledge your reality for where it is acknowledge your failures consecrate yourself for the purposes of God in your life find somebody to walk with you because the people of God had to enter the promise of God together the presence of God and the people of God together and that's what we need and then you need to do it one day or one minute at a time some of you know what I'm saying. It's taking your thoughts captive right now and right now and right now, and that takes courage.